Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today.
Let us pray. God, with our minds racing and our hearts beating, we find ourselves here to hopefully hear a new word, to say that we are sorry, to feel your beloved community, and to remember that we are loved not for what we do, but for who we are. That is your beloved creation. God, meet us in this space. May you comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable so that we might know you. Amen. I invite you now to stand and sing. Friends, each week we, uh, we come together to admit that we aren't perfect, that we are broken, that we hurt one another, sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. 
This whole sermon series is all about forgiveness, and it's something that we do in worship each week. We ask for God's forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness for those sitting around us, and we do it together to remember that no one of us is better than the other. No one stands with more righteousness. We all fall short of God's glory. So let us pray together the prayer of admission found in your program. Let us pray. God, forgive us for breaking your commandments. Forgive us for the grudges we hold. Forgive us and break us free from the sin that weighs us down. Hear us as we pray silently. weeks ago, I was teaching confirmation and we were talking about Jesus on the cross. And I said, you know, every week in worship, when I say those words that Jesus said from the cross about forgiveness, and they looked at me, they were like, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) So if you hear nothing, remember that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, hung from that cross and looking out at the crowd that was crucifying him, said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Friends, we still don't know what we are doing and we are still forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. I now invite the Maynard family to come forward for Shepherd to receive the sacrament of baptism. Friends, this morning, Matthew, Danielle, and big brother Bo present their son and brother Shepherd to receive the sacrament of baptism. Today, we proclaim boldly that Shepherd is a recipient of the covenant of grace. God claims him as God's own in baptism, welcoming him into this family of faith and as a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. We are encouraged because in no stage of life are we truly separated from Christ and the bonds we have with one another. Shepherd, may you always remember that you are not alone, your parents, your church family, and Christ are with you always. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as he delivered to his disciples after his resurrection. He said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. By this water and by the Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church, the body of Christ. And joined in Christ's ministry of love, peace, and justice. Let us remember with joy our own baptism as we celebrate this sacrament. Got some questions. 
Danielle, Matthew, and Bo, having heard these words, I ask you the following questions. Do you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? We do. Relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith to embody hearts of service and love and teach that faith to your child and to your brother? Do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide, support, and nurture Shepherd, through words and actions, with love and prayer, will you encourage him to know and follow Christ and empower him to be a faithful member of the church? If so, say we do. Let us pray. God, we know that this life is not always easy. To follow your son, to follow Jesus Christ is to die alongside him. But to follow Christ is also to be resurrected with him. And the world seems hard to shepherd when the church, when his parents, when his friends and family mess up, we give thanks that you do not. We give thanks that your presence will not leave them, nor will it leave us. We thank you for this water of baptism. Let it seal your child and welcome him into your kingdom of undeserved love, radical grace, and abundant life. Amen. What is the Christian name of your child? nowhere to go but up from here. Hey, bud. Hey, bud. Oh, Shepherd Lee Maynard, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Shepherd, may you come to know that Jesus loves you in this moment and forevermore. And may you remember everything that Christ has commanded you and is with you to the very end. Let us pray. Loving God, be with Shepherd in the ups and the downs, in the crying and in the peace, in the tantrums and in the laughter. We thank you for the hope of a child, for the joy of a child. Thank you for this blessing to this community and the blessing to the world that is Shepherd. Amen. He doesn't normally cry. (laughs) He's just excited, as we all are. Friends, this is the greatest news. Baptisms, um, what a gift it is. I once heard one of my professors in seminary talk about crying babies. And he said he was at a church once um, at a part in India where the children were so malnourished that they couldn't even cry. And what a gift it is that we have children that can cry and be a part of this church community. So thanks be to God for Shepherd on this day. He is baptized. I encourage you to welcome him into this messy family of faith and as our newest brother in Christ. Alleluia. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning can be found in the back of your program. It comes from Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. Realizing that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers said, what if Joseph still bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong that we did to him? So they approached Joseph saying, your father gave this instruction before he died. Say to Joseph, I beg you, Forgive the crime of your brothers and the wrong they did in harming you. 
Now therefore, please forgive the crime of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also wept, fell down before him and said, we are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. In this way, he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. The word of God for the people of God. I'd like to take a moment this morning to share with you from a message entitled, What to Do with an Apology. What to do with an apology. I like to sleep. I like my sleep. Anybody else like your sleep? I like my sleep. I like my rest. I like my quiet time. I like those moments when only thing I can hear is my breath. And I just love that. I like to bask in that right there. I like my bed. I like my pillows. I like my comforters. I like all of that. I set it up just the way I like it, and I like it. And when I crawl in between those comforters and that pillow, and I get, you, you get just right, you know what I'm talking about? You, just, you get just right. All the pillows are right where they're supposed to be. I don't want to move, and I don't want to hear a thing. After one particular week, a long trip of business speaking engagements across the country and doing other things, came home, I was tired, and I could not wait to get into my bed. I was tired of hotel beds, tired of traveling. I was tired, and everything was just right, and I got into bed, and it was bedtime, and a half an hour later, I heard some noise. My neighbors decided that it was a night to party, and whoever was the person that designed where I lived, they decided to put my bedroom window right near my neighbor's driveway. So when my neighbor pulls up with their music playing, it's right below my bedroom window. I don't know who decided to do that, but it is what it is. And it was loud. And then they decided to do some more talking as they stood outside in the car and talked in the driveway instead of going in the house. I know my neighbor, so I picked up my phone and I sent them a text message. I said, hey, I'm tired, it's late. Could you do me a favor and take that inside? I'd really appreciate that right there. And I don't know if they heard it or not or read it or not, but they kept talking for a while and I finally got up to go say something, but by the time I got up and put on my robe to walk outside, they had already gone. But my sleep sleep was now disturbed. You ever had your sleep disturbed? And now it takes a minute, thank you little man, appreciate that. (laughs) And now it takes a minute to get back into that groove, so to speak. Also took a trip to the refrigerator to eat something I shouldn't, but that's a whole nother story. But my neighbor owed me an apology. I felt my neighbor should apologize. They owed me an apology. They disturbed my sleep. They disrupted my evening. I was not bothered. They bothered me and they owed me an apology. So surely by the morning time, when I checked my text message, there would be an apology there, but there wasn't one. (laughs) Nothing. Surely when they see me leave the house, they'll come outside and say, hey man, my bad, we saw. There was nothing. And now I was even angrier because I was owed an apology. The notion of apologies and forgiveness is a worthy topic. 
The need for apologizing can be so obvious for one yet obscure to the other. Forgiveness can be attainable in one instance and seem unreachable in another. Sometimes we are the provider of the apology and sometimes we are the recipient. Sometimes we are the seeker of forgiveness and sometimes we are the grantor. Sometimes we make the call and send the message and sometimes we are waiting to answer the call or the message. One thing is for sure, we will all spend our fair share of time in all of these seats. Just as much as my neighbor annoyed me, I know I annoy somebody else. Just as much as I believe my neighbor owed me an apology, I'm sure there's somebody who thinks I owe them one. And by the way, they are probably correct. As we talk about what to do with an apology today, I want to set the stage for this because it's pretty important because apologies are a part of our lives, whether we like it or not. And what I found is that there are three stages to apologies. There's the pre-apology stage, there's the apology itself, and there's the post-apology stage. And the pre-apology stage is pretty interesting. I'm not going to spend much time there, but I want to set it up for you. See, after a harm or a foul or a transgression or wrongdoing, there's the journey of the apologizer. This is important. I'm going to come back to my neighbor in a little bit. There's the journey of the person who knows they did something. They're on a journey. See, before they reach the point of the apology, they go through some things. See, some people can apologize immediately. In the moment something happened, I recognize it, my bad. My bad, can can you forgive me? My bad. Some people take some time. They gotta walk away, they gotta think about it, they gotta talk about it, they gotta read about it, they gotta reflect upon it. It takes a minute to reach that point of apology. Some have internal struggles and battles with, is the apology even necessary? Is that that big of a deal? And they wrestle with the need for the apology. There are a variety of paths that people go through to get to the apology, and I want you to recognize that no path is the same. So we reach that point of apology, and I'm going to start there today because I want us to recognize that that's where what I consider the mystery of God really shows up there. Now, we're at this point of apology, but I gotta warn you, apologizing isn't easy. Do y'all know that? One of the things that makes apologizing kind of hard is this. We have apology criteria and expectations. Oh yeah, you do, yeah, you do. We have apology criteria and expectations. See, mine with my neighbor was immediate. Right now, you come, you come now, that was my criteria. And he did not meet my criteria, by the way. But, but here's the deal, watch this. I'm gonna give you some criteria, tell me how this matches up with your apology experience in life. Some people view the apology as a gift. Person did something, they come and apologize, they're bringing me a gift. Let me receive that apology from you, we're good. Some people view the apology as an admission of guilt. I knew it, It's <laughs> exactly right. I hope you learned your lesson. (laughs) Some people view the apology as an opening, a chance for us to open up our hearts and relationship and connect with each other. Some view it as a punishment. Some view it as a bridge, a bridge that can fill the gap between two people, a a bridge that can bring two people from where they are to where they want to be. What I'm learning is that 
the apology in and of itself is an exchange. That moment is an interesting moment. Some people doing the apology, here's the criteria. I'll apologize as long as we don't have to talk about it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'll apologize, but I don't want to talk about it. Can I just say I'm sorry and we'd be done with this? <laughs> I know I'm stepping on somebody's toes this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> Some of us don't even say it out loud. We just nod our heads. <laughs> that just means we're good now, right? <laughs> the exchange. That moment, some of us just move through it. Others want to sit in it. Oh, here's my apology criteria. Once you apologize to me, we're going to sit in it. And now let's sit back and dissect and debrief. What lessons did you learn through this process? Oh, that's fun. Some of us, during the apology experience, we want to know, well, what motivated them to apologize in the first place? We ask questions like this. Why are you apologizing now? Now, we don't say that out loud, <laughs> but we think that sometimes. Sometimes, well, are they really sincere? What do you really want? Are they sorry they did it or sorry they got caught? Are they doing it because they have to or, or they want to? Maybe, maybe I can just let, you know what, let me think about this apology. Maybe I can milk this a little while longer to get something out of it. Oh, what to do with an apology? We can judge it. We can question the sincerity of it. We can refuse it. We can ignore it. Or we can receive it. Let me say that again. We can judge it. We can question the sincerity of it. We can refuse it. We can ignore it. Or we can receive it. By the way, I've done a little bit of all of that in my lifetime, and I'm sure some of you have as well. And I found from my own state of mind, my state of being, receiving works out best for me. Not saying it's the easiest, but it works out best for me. This story of Joseph and his brothers is a story about what to do with an apology. Within this story, there are projections and assumptions and so many family dynamics. And if you have not read Genesis chapter 50, I would encourage you to go back and spend some time walking through that verse by verse, line by line, paragraph by paragraph. It is fascinating. There's a lot here, and I really wasn't able to condense it all into three neatly alliterated points to share with you, so I'm going to just spend some time walking through the scriptures, if you don't mind. Let's do it together, and I'm going to highlight some key points along the way that tell us what to do, guide us in what to do with an apology. In verse 15, realizing that their father was dead, Joseph's brother said, what if Joseph still bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong we did to him? You harm someone. You get away with it. You get away with it. You don't have to see them. They're not near you anymore. They're gone. It's in the past. It's over. But something happens in life as it tends to happen and your paths are about to cross again. What do you do? You have that what if moment like his brothers. What, but, 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 but what if he remembers and, and he has a grudge because we know we did wrong. And what if he pays us back in full because if he pays us back, I know he's going to do it because I pay us back because I'm putting my projection on him. So what if he pays us back? What, what, what if? Maybe it's the person that you didn't treat well when you were climbing up the corporate ladder at work. 
And then one day when you go to change jobs, you find out they're on the interview committee bringing you into the new job. What if they remember how I did not take care of them when I could have? What if it's the student in school that you treated bad and you picked on with your other friends because you didn't know how not to pick on them and now that student is the tutor in the class that you need help in in order to graduate or go to the next level? What if they hold that grudge? What if they remember? What if they get me like I got them? When people are on the path to their apology, they play it out in their minds before they get to you. I want you to sit with that for a second. When we're on a path or somebody's on a path to apology, we play that thing out in our head before the moment of apologizing even surfaces. And our projections can run wild with us. But what if this? What if they do this? What if we do that? We play it all out, good, bad, or indifferent, before they even show up. When people bring you apologies, when people bring us apologies, I want us to recognize that for many people, it took them a lot just to have the strength to bring it to us. It is a vulnerable moment, even though they did wrong, even though it should not have happened. It is a moment of vulnerability because I don't know what they're going to do with this apology I'm about to give them. Will he bear a grudge and pay us back? And we'll never know until we take the chance, the risk, follow God's spirit, follow the Holy Ghost in making that apology. So they, look, they got the nerve. They get this. Watch this. Verse 16. They approached Joseph saying, your father gave this instruction before he died. Say to Joseph, I beg you, I beg you, forgive the crime of your brothers and the wrong they did in harming you. Now, therefore, please forgive the crime of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Now, wait a minute. Did y'all, did y'all listen to some keys this right here? Did y'all listen to this? They approached Joseph saying, your father gave this. Inst- your father told us what to say. Can I just break this down for a second? Daddy is the one that said, daddy told me to tell you, I'm sorry. <laughs> Daddy said it. <laughs> Dad, well, Daddy didn't do it. You did it. <laughs> Daddy said this. Daddy wrote the note. <laughs> Wait a minute. Who's seeking forgiveness? The brothers or the fathers? Who harmed Joseph? Do you really mean it or are you just saying it because Daddy told you to tell me before he died? Oh, now that dad has died and my dreams are coming to fruition, famine is coming upon the land, and now you know you're going to need me. That's why you're here. That's why you're apologizing. That is not what Joseph did. Let me tell you what Joseph did not do with the apology. He did not use it as a moment to remind them of the power he now had over them. He did not use it as an opportunity to see just how desperate they were and make them beg. He did not use it to find a way to harm them during their time of vulnerability. He did not use it to question their sincerity. What to do with an apology. See, in my flesh, I could do all of that. Oh, I got you now. I'm going to make you beg. I'm going to do it, but you're going to work for this right here. That's not what he did. What did he do? Joseph wept. He wept. His tears spoke for him. You ever been in a space where somebody apologizes and the only thing that happens are the tears just rush out? It's almost like the opening of the apology releases the emotions within us. 
I believe there are people even right now to the sound of my voice that are waiting to forgive somebody, that are waiting to hear an apology, that, are, that have tears waiting to flow and don't even know the tears are there, waiting to weep, waiting to receive an apology and request forgiveness. If only we could go to them with the instructions our Father provided. Now here's what got me when I read this. The request for forgiveness the brothers are seeking is coming from the Father. The Father told them what to say. They are repeating the words of the Father. What would happen if our request for forgiveness of each other came from the Father? What if we went to the Father for the words to say to each other when offering an apology and seeking forgiveness? What if we repeated the words of our Father in seeking and granting forgiveness and apologies for each other? See, see, the parent in me, the parent in me wants my children to forgive each other. I think parents would identify with that. The, the parent in me does not want my children holding grudges against each other. Parents want their children to live in harmony and to live in peace. I've talked to parents over the years, and what, what hurts a parent is when their children don't get along with each other. Parents want their children to be on one accord. Parents want their children to experience the joy of their siblings. And I believe this is what God wants for us. The path to this place of harmony is filled with moments of apologizing and forgiving. And when we do not know what to say, let me tell you what daddy said. We don't know what to say. Daddy said something I can find. God the Father found something. There's something we can find that God said that can help us in those moments when we do not know what to say. Verse 18, then his brothers also wept, fell down before him and said, we are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? His brothers wept. Now everybody crying, y'all. Everybody crying. <laughs> everybody just crying. And that's okay. Sometimes, sometimes everybody needs to cry. A heartfelt apology can do that. It can melt the ice between us. And, 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 but here's the deal, though. Because the brothers are saying this, look at the projection. We are your slaves. We, they're coming in the door knowing we got to pay this back now. He, he's about to do to us what we did to him. It's payback time because we know, we know once you harm me, it's my turn to harm you. And we know that apology is the next step in that formula, payback. Apologize, oh, we know payback is next. No, not in God's view. That cycle or the assumption of that cycle is what prevents many people from apologizing. If I apologize, I have to be subjected to the pain I caused. Actually, it's the non-apologies that keep us subjected to and bound to the pain that we caused. We talk a lot about the pain of not forgiving and how it wears us out. Let me share something with you this morning. The pain of carrying an apology that our pride won't let us speak causes pain also. And then Joseph goes a step further and says, am I in the place of God? E even though I am impacted by the actions and decisions of others, even though I am deserving of the apology, even though people are requesting my forgiveness, forgiveness excuse me, Joseph reminds us we are still not the judge. We are still not the jury. We still do not control the levers of anyone's ultimate consequence. That's not our place. Verse 20. 
Why? Because even though you intended to do me harm, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. This one was tough for me. This one was tough for me. When Joseph looked at his journey through a spiritual lens, he recognized that his path, watch this, his path and his pain positioned him to be right where God wanted and needed him to be. Let me say that again. When Joseph looked at his journey through a spiritual lens, he recognized that his path and his pain positioned him right where God wanted and needed him to be. If Joseph had been consumed with grudges and anger and unforgiveness and hate and payback, the result would have been devastating for all the people. What someone did wasn't fair, Charles. I know. It wasn't nice, Charles. I know. It wasn't right, Charles. I know. But they did it. But when we don't receive the apology, what they did to us keeps getting done to us over and over and over again in our heads and in our hearts. And we carry the grudges and the anger and the unforgiveness. What to do with the apology? This does not mean that God wants bad things to happen to people. That's not what this means. It means that when things happen to us that are bad, through God's eyes, at some point, we can see the path to good. Verse 21, so have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. And this way he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. If Joseph were one of my friends today, he'd simply say, I got you. We good. I got you. That's how me and my friends talk to each other. We good. I got you. What to do with the apology? See, the Joseph model, I call it the Joseph model, shows up in verse 21 right there. What did Joseph do? Watch this. He received the apology. He reassured his brothers. He can reassure. Watch this. He says to them, have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. In this way, he reassured them, speaking kindly to them. Received the apology. Reassured the other person. And he restored hope in the relationship. That's what Joseph did. I love the fact that the writer of this felt it was important to say, and he spoke kindly to them. He said it kindly to them. Family, I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. But when people apologize, what do we do with it? We do our best to follow the Joseph model. We receive it. We reassure the other person. We do what we can to restore the relationship. My neighbor, three days later, I was in my backyard sitting on the deck. He said, hey, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, what's up? He said, I saw your text you sent me the other night. He said, I didn't come to you right away and apologize because I was embarrassed. He said, you're a good dude. You've helped me out, and uh, I like you, and you're a good neighbor. You don't judge me. And uh, the fact that we were making noise and disturbing you, he goes, that bothered me, and, and I felt bad. He goes, quite frankly, I saw you leave your house a couple of times, and I stayed inside so I didn't have to face you. <laughs> 
He said, I was embarrassed. He said, but please know I'm, I'm sorry. And, and I told my friends when they come over to see me to approach the house quietly. And uh, I hope we're good. And I said, we're good. What to do in an apology? Thanks be to God. But a life without you 
Let us pray. Loving God, thank you for a new day. We give you thanks for the cries of babies, for the words of friends, for the sound of sweet music. God, each day is a gift. Help us to use this gift not for our own glory, but for yours. God, you ask us to forgive. You ask us to ask for forgiveness. And it seems so simple, but we can make it so complex. Help us to name our wrongs, to name those we have injured, and to work together for a future where forgiveness is less necessary. Help us to be like Joseph, the one who chooses care over vengeance. Help us to be like the brothers who admit their evil and stand humbly before the injured. God, we ask for care. We ask for care for those who are alone and lonely. God, care for those who are sick and receiving bad diagnosis. Care for those who are anxious and worried. And care for those who are bullied and hated. Care for us, God, and help us to care for one another. Following the model of Jesus the Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our eternal teacher, the one who taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you now to rise and body your spirit as we proclaim what we believe, saying the words of the affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed. So downtown church, what is it that you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I invite you to remain standing as we sing our last song.
ask God for the courage and capacity to follow the Joseph model. Receive the apology. Reassure the other person. Restore hope in the relationship. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with us henceforth now and forevermore. Let the church say amen. 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 Go in peace. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.